Have you had this conversation? A Tone Networks podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Have You Had This Conversation? I'm Gemma Toner, and I'm joined here today with Leslie Day Harrell, who is Executive Vice President, Associate Experience at Jackson Healthcare. For the past four years, Jackson has been named to Fortune's best workplaces in healthcare and biopharma, coming in at 10th place in 2021. Being an executive vice president in associate experience is clearly an integral part of the company doing so well. That being said, I am sure it has been a really, really challenging job. So as we think about this, you know, Leslie, you are just the perfect person for us to talk about, you know, the new normal that we're all navigating and, you know, what is culture and how do we manage employees' happiness, especially with a company like yours, where you really have been in the forefront. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Gemma. I appreciate you having me. I'm looking so forward to our conversation and hello to all of the women of tone. Thank you. Thank you. So Leslie, let's just hear, everyone has such an interesting story that we get the chance to speak with. Can you tell us a bit about yourself and your background? Um, that would be really fabulous. Sure. Absolutely. Well, I'll start with the most important thing in my life, which is I am a lucky mom with three kids. Um, I've got two that are in college right now. One is a high school senior. So I'm kind of going through the um, almost empty nester. Um, I married my high school sweetheart. And I grew up living across the globe. And honestly, probably until I was age eight, I thought we were um, gypsies growing up. But I later learned that my dad was actually contracted through the military. So my anthem in life, really my early years was change. Everything was always changing, which really has helped me a lot in my life. Um, I love to dream in very explosive color. I'm an artist. Um, I love fine art, poetry, nature. And most of all, I love, love, love to travel with my family. Um, so I have a passion for continual learning and evolving entrepreneurship, creating. And sometimes that means creating people, teams, or physical creations. I love studying human behavior and I have a passion for lifting and developing people. So it's really fun with my job because I get to wear multiple hats um, that allow me to really tap into all of my different passions. So many, many moons ago, I got my degree from University of Georgia, go dogs. And uh, my original intent was to go to law school. When I got out of school, um, said years ago, I'm not law school, but uh, college, um, I was getting married. And so I thought, well, let me just get a job because we're going on a honeymoon. Let me get a job and I will go back to law school. Did the LSATs, was ready to roll. I landed in commercial corporate real estate and I absolutely loved it and I never looked back. So I learned very quickly that um, with a lot of hard work, putting in the hours um, and being a very eager learner, um, very ambitious that opportunities continued to come my way. So I kept working harder, more opportunities came my way. And so um, I, I really kind of just stayed doing what I was doing for 18 years. And I ended up building up a portfolio of commercial class A corporate real estate to about 2 million square feet. And one of the we call them owners that um, that I worked with was Jackson Healthcare. So I've been involved with Jackson Healthcare for 15 years, um, but for 
four of those years was as a contractor. And true to Jackson Healthcare fashion, about four years into that relationship as a contractor, they said, you know, we prefer owning our intellectual property rather than renting it. So we, we, we want you to come in house. And um, so believe it or not, I actually turned it down the first time. And I think it's an interesting point to make because this all feeds into our culture. I thought it was too good to be true. Um, but they worked me over, um, took about six months. And finally I said, okay, going to take a leap of faith. I left a job that I had been with again for 18 years, was on a very good path to where I wanted to be with that and um, took a leap of faith and joined Jackson Healthcare 11 years ago. And when I first started um, with Jackson 15 years ago, I really was kind of a um, plug filler, anything that needed to be done that didn't already have assigned you know, it was not already assigned to someone else, kind of fell into my realm. So it was a very, very mixed bag of all things operational. So some of it was property management, facility management, um, a lot of things that, you know, just kind of corporate operations, things that needed to be handled. And so the beauty of that, even though I never was in the same swim lane two days in a row, the beauty of that was, I really got to, um, I got a great exposure to a lot of different facets of our organization. And that really kind of helped lead into, it, it served me very well over the last 11 years. And it really serves me well in the role that I'm in now. Um, somewhere along the way, I guess in 20, um, 2018, I started pursuing a 240 hour certification in positive psychology. And you know, it was kind of a passion of mine. And although I didn't really know where and when and how I would use my learnings from it, um, I knew at some point it would kind of reveal itself. So, so keeping in mind, I've done a lot of things, kind of commercial real estate, facility management, property management, um, corporate operations, heavily involved with our, um, both the company president as well as our CEO. So really deeply been able to understand how they think, where their hearts are, and then now I've, you know, completed my certification in positive psychology. So all of this together sort of melds into this really interesting, I guess, position, if you will, sort of an opportunity. And in late 2019, we started having internal conversations about, you know, now that we have built this beautiful physical representation of our culture, we did went through a $120 million corporate campus expansion, which I led, um, led that initiative and led that project, which took about four years from start to finish. And so it really, we started saying, well, now we need to start focusing inwardly on that culture and really working on nurturing and protecting it. So, you know, when you grow and move as fast as what we have over the last 10 years, culture is something you can't take for granted, you know, that it's going to be self-sustaining because it's not, there's got to be some intentional intentionality around it. And so all of this kind of is sort of the tee up to, you know, how this position came to be, which I know we're going to get to that in a few minutes, but that's really kind of my background, the evolution of my position. So I've worn a lot of different hats, which is super fun for me. I would not like it if I did the same thing day in, day out. Um, and it kind of teed up this opportunity when the campus expansion project finished um, in late or I'm sorry, in early 2019, I started ideating around, you know, what next for me. And so 
taking all of the things I'm passionate about, what my experiences were. Um, and with my, my boss at the time, we started talking about, yeah, we really need to focus. Someone needs to own culture and associate experience. And so therein, the position was born from that. So it's relatively, so let's talk about the core values and the mission of Jackson. And also let's talk about, you know, this is a, a, a relatively new position and it's now starting, we're starting to see it in lots of other companies. You know, they're starting to create um, these culture positions, like someone actually owns it, right? Yeah. Um, so can you give us a sense of, of the, the core values and mission of Jackson? And then this was, uh, just to remind us, when was this position? Yeah, created. Yeah, so we started this in 2019, which I love emphasizing that because it really, um, you know, it was before COVID. It was before a lot of the conversation. And, and that is just another example of a forward-thinking company and our leaders of the company that they understood at that time that this is so important. And, um, you know, one of our, our unspoken values is that, you know, if something is important to you, don't just say it, do it you know, live it out. And so this is this position as an example of that. Um, I'll read to you for, and then I'll, I'll share with you a little bit about the values around it. But um, the vision in 2019 that I wrote for this position goes like this. Um, associate experience to continuously cultivate an unparalleled engaging environment, which aligns with Jackson Healthcare's mission and core values to protect the distinguished legacy and culture of caring, purpose, meaning and holistic associate well-being and be thought leaders in developing ways to foster human flourishing. We want to curate rich experiences and develop opportunities to inspire action and drive personal and business success. We want to influence Jackson Healthcare's culture and conscious capitalism brand and be in service of extending wellness into our communities. We want to continue to be the leaders of a champion workplace culture that is sought after by talent and customers and marks the gold standard that others actively seek to achieve. Utilizing science and data to benchmark and measure experience, develop pathways to nurture and magnify the impact of our deep-rooted culture. Through these metrics, we develop a greater understanding of what most significantly impacts associate well-being and drives personal success. So we that was kind of, you know, when we put everything on paper, it's kind of like, even though that's a really long vision, <laughs> um, that's kind of where I landed with it because it was so encompassing. It included so much, every aspect from hire to retire for an associate. And of course, the, our mission and our core values drove and drove the vision and continues to drive um, the initiatives that, that we are creating around this. So our overall mission, and you'll read this in pretty much everything that you see for Jackson Healthcare is to improve the delivery of patient care in the lives of everyone we touch. So this spans from the clinical settings with our providers all the way through to each and every associate, our vendor, our tenants that we've got on campus, our business partners. We just want to leave a positive mark on anything and everything that we come in contact with. And that's a really big mission. And we take that seriously and it drives our thinking, it guides our decisions around it. So our values, you asked about our values, our values are others first, growth and wisdom. We distilled what used to be, gosh, probably 25 or 30 words. We distilled it 
down into these three words just because they were easy to remember and it really encapsulated these three words um, or three values encapsulated 25 to 30 different phrases or words that we had used um, prior to about eight years ago. Um, so others first, it means put yourself in their shoes. Um, a lot of people think it means um, we only think of everyone else. It, it means us never. And that's not true. What it means is look at other people's perspective before making a decision. That means we collaborate a lot more as an organization, um, which does mean it takes longer sometimes for things to get done because we really want to look at everyone's perspective before making important decisions. Um, growth. A lot of people think that growth means grow the business, grow the revenue. And while that's important, I would say that that's a byproduct to getting all of these other parts right. And so really for me, it, it means keep learning and keep pushing every facet of your life, you know, everything within you just keep moving forward and don't stay still. Um, and then the last one is wisdom. And wisdom, it, it, wisdom is different than intelligence. It's, it's looking futuristically, and then you follow backwards to your answer. And our president talks a lot about this, and he truly, to be as young as he is, is so full of wisdom. Both he and his father are both so, so full of wisdom, and I learn from them every day. Um, you know, sometimes we want to make those immediate decisions, and we solve for the now rather than looking at what does this mean five years from now, 10 years from now. Um, and a lot of I believe what feeds wisdom is experiences and failures. And we talk about that a lot. That's a part of our culture at Jackson Healthcare is failures are fine um, as long as you learn from them. And failures really do help inform. It just helps feed and grow wisdom um, along with experiences. So our values, though, I love this kind of tagline that I we've used over the years, which our values inspire culture and our culture inspires our associates. So it's everything to us. Our values come up every day. They're in every boardroom you go in, every conference room you go in. And I will tell you, we talk about our values more than we, and we act on our values more than what you're going to see it in writing somewhere. So it's a living, it's living, I guess is the best way to put it. It comes up more often in more conversations than I can even begin to tell you. So it's not just words on the walls, even though we do have them everywhere. It, it's far more conversational and actionable than words on paper, which I'm really proud of that. It comes up in everything. Well, well, that is kind of where I was hoping you could help us understand when you think of culture, you know, because it, it's a it's a word that means a lot of different things to different people. And so when you think of the culture of the company, and growing that culture, how do you um, define it? Is it, you know, is it like what you were saying before? It's, you know, it's actually the living, living the values as opposed to the words on the wall? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it really is. It's, um, I think if you allow your values to guide everything you do from the very beginning, it's, it, it helps you make the right decisions with who you hire. And you've got to hire people that, that connect and align with what we believe to be important. So, you know, culture is just a group of, um, you know, it, it is defined by a group that has the same beliefs and care about the same things. And 
um, are driven and motivated by similar things. And, and so I think it all starts with you hire to that. You hire to those that connect with what you believe in and what's important to you. Um, and again, others first, growth and wisdom. If you are surrounded, you, we don't want I guess this is not to confuse it with, we like to hire people that are all alike because we don't. We want a, a broad, diverse mindset and group of people, but you can have people from every single walk of life that believe the importance of putting other people's opinions and perspectives in the mix for conversation, that believe that growing and having a growth mindset and continually pushing yourself and others around you to be better, to be better your jobs, to be better humans, to be better moms and dads and friends and coworkers and colleagues. We're always lifting each other and pushing each other to be better and to um, you know, be better citizens, corporate citizens and better citizens in the community um, and people that believe in, in wisdom, you know, learning from your mistakes and being accountable to ourselves for those mistakes and not letting mistakes define you um, in a negative way, but a positive way. So you can have people from every walk of life that, that can believe in those core values. And if you do, you've got an incredible culture. That, that, that stems from that, that is created and flourishes from that. And, you know, culture has physical representation um, as well as an emotional, spiritual connection as well. And, and, um, and I think that's really important. And so it's, it, it is something you, it's tangible. When you walk on our campus, it's, it is um, very real. You feel it. Um, and that goes into experience, you know, kind of what you experience from an emotional perspective, that's our culture speaking. That's our culture. When you walk on campus and all of a sudden you just feel this warm hug, not from a person, even though people here were big huggers, but you just feel that that is the experience of a vibrant, lively, rich culture. Um, which is why those kind of go hand in hand experience, culture, cult, you know, it, it, they're, they do. And, and really and, uh, having been on, you know, having had the good fortune of being on your campus, it is a bit magical, you know, what you, what you experience. So uh, you're certainly in that kind of, it's a magician role in some ways, but in some ways, clearly it's not because it's, it's, you know, this focus and intention and um, having someone like you lead it again, is evidence of companies that really value culture and that employee experience. So tell me, you know, it, you started in 19 before COVID mm -hmm. and then we get to, well, you lived through COVID <laughs> and yeah. went, you know, experienced that in this position. And then how have things changed over the past, you know, two years as uh, we've all evolved and, and workplaces have evolved? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will say that the biggest thing is people are just showing up very differently, meaning, um, you know, COVID crystallized for people what they value most, what they really care about most. And um, as I've always said, it's not that those values are necessarily different we've just kind of reshuffled our own decks, you know, and there's a different card on top now, you know? So, yes, what, yes. Um, 
and and so trying to understand what that what that is for people has been our greatest challenge um my most recent focus group that i just did was called what matters most because you know if you had asked me pre-covid what people cared about i feel with a fair amount of certainty i could have answered that um and i could have given you a list of five or ten things that would probably have a 99 accuracy rate for being right if you asked me that six months ago i would have told you i have no clue <laughs> i have no clue what people care about anymore and what i mean specifically by that is that you know from a workplace perspective um you know from a retaining talent um attracting talent keeping people engaged motivated feeling good about what they do and loving being um, in a workplace. Um, amenities were a really big thing in the, the I don't want to say in the past because they're still really important to people, but we are so rich in amenities on our campus very intentionally. We wanted this to be a place where you didn't have to leave. You didn't want to leave. When you came on campus every day, we prepared wonderful, nutritious meals for you. We have a state-of-the-art fitness facility. We've got every service you can possibly think of. And, you know, when people came back, it, it those things didn't matter as much. Now, having said that, we're not taking anything away that we did before because we know it. The, the people still care. Again, it's just not the top card in their deck anymore right now. Um, yeah. So I stress that people have asked me that they say, well, do you feel like we should take amenities away? Should we cut back? It's really expensive to keep some of these things going. And, and I say, you know, curve things that absolutely make zero sense anymore, but don't eliminate those things because people do still care. And the messaging behind, um, again, where you put your money, your energy and your time, people pay attention to that. And so even though it might not be the most important to them, you know, working out in a state of the art fitness facility, it still matters. And I think that will come yes. full circle for people. Um, yeah. Did that answer? I appreciate, well, I appreciate your honesty because I think, you know, we've, all of us, all of us in the workforce have never truly lived through a pandemic before. Yeah. And so when you talk about, you know, hey, six months ago, I'm not sure I had the answers. I appreciate that honesty because I think for so many corporations, uh, there is not a clear playbook, right? There's not a business case study that's been done. Like, here's the roadmap. You know, we are really in new territory. Yeah. And I think it's that openness and that honesty saying, you know, I'm not quite sure. And we need to do some listening. So can you talk about, um, you know, how, how one, you came to that, I'm comfortable enough that I really can be honest that we need to do something different than what we had done before. And then can you help us uh, understand your process? Like, how did you go about it? Yeah, yeah. So feedback is a huge, and it's a gift. Sometimes you don't like what you hear, but it's a gift and you need to hear it. And so this is one thing I really stress, um, you know, with my team and for people that ask outside of the organization that we have to evolve. We have to ask questions. We have to understand if we're going to meet our associates where they are, we have to know where they are, which means we have to ask questions. And I know a lot of people don't want to ask questions that they don't want to know the answers to, but if we're going to really address this head on, um, then, then you do. So you have to ask the question. So ask feedback. Second most important thing is listen, listen to what people say um, and incorporate changes that you can. Obviously we can't 
accommodate everything. You know, we you might have some organizations that everybody says, I want to work remote 100% of the time for every single job. Well, that may not be practical for the model for the way you do business. So you have to figure out what the where the sweet spot is with that to meet people where they are. And so we've, um, again, right before um, COVID hit, we started focus groups and um, those range anywhere from 25 people to 100 people. Sometimes we do surveys ahead of the focus group so I can get the actual raw data. And then we have in-person or Zoom or what, you know, whatever format we choose, um, we have conversations around it so that I can actually get color commentary from people. So I can fill in those gaps that sometimes the raw data points don't really tell you. And so we've done a lot of those. I've done one-on-one interviews actually during COVID. I did quite a few of those, especially for our working moms. They were struggling so much, understandably so, because you know they're having to wear five hats, working from home, being a mom, being a teacher, getting their jobs done. And so there was just a lot of struggle around that. So I did a lot of one-on-one interviews around that and basically took all of that information, summarized it, and then um, created action plans around that, you know, fed that up to our, our president, um, Shane Jackson, who was very, very interested in, in, understanding like what matters to our folks so that we can make course corrections and adjustments. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, does that change your culture? And I say, well, culture should evolve. You know, culture should evolve with the times. Our times are different now. If your values don't change, which I would argue, if you really care about the same thing, you know, values wouldn't necessarily change. Cultures can, cultures can evolve and they should evolve. And so you do that through understanding what matters to people. So we ask questions, we listen, we adjust, we evolve. So in asking those questions, because you obviously were brave enough to ask questions that um, you might not want to know the answers to, but you went ahead and, you know, faced it, right? Like what you were saying is we've got to do this different and we've got to ask questions that we may not want to hear the answers of all the questions that you asked, what would you say were sort of the top five ahas for you that you were like, I am, had no idea that was going to come back. Yeah. You know, probably, um, the emotional state of people right now. Um, when asked, questions around engagement, you know, how satisfied they are kind of with their jobs, with their lives right now. Um, I was really surprised at the chronic rate of burnout with associates and it all kind of ticks and ties together in that, you know, there's obviously a severe labor shortage or talent, you know, there's the war on talent right now. And so, and also it's a crazy market. People are offering insane salaries for same jobs that people are doing, you know, across the board. And so it puts a tremendous stressors on businesses. You know, do you stay the course? Do you cave in on that? I mean, that's not a sustainable model, you know, to pay everybody 30% more, 40%, 50% more. That's not sustainable for a business. And so what's happening, you know, through this great resignation, people are, um, those left behind are having to carry more burden, more weight, more load. Um, and they can't backfill those positions fast enough. And so unfortunately people are experiencing tremendous levels of burnout right now. And, you know, from a management level, um, I don't know that managers are seeing that and understanding that because it's kind of a new, it's an anomaly. It's something new, um, that we're not, not new, 
per se, but I think it's in a chronic state right now. And so I think managers are not recognizing that early on. And so I think you've got kind of the emotional trauma in some cases and damage that have um, that people have incurred and sustained through COVID. Um, then you add on kind of what's happening in the workplace right now, the loads that people are carrying, it's just unsustainable. And so that was probably one of my most recent focus group about a month ago. That was one of the biggest things that, that came to bear was just um, people are really struggling right now with anxiety. You know, it's out there, but you kind of think, oh, that's every other business, surely not our people. Like we're, right. <laughs> we're yes. happy people. We've got a great culture. We, you know, everybody always looks so happy and excited, but you know, at the end of the day, we're all human and we're all on a very similar journey. And, and we, you know, at times can be stronger than other times. And um, everybody always has stuff they're dealing with. And, um, and there's an accumulative effect to that. And um, I don't think I realized how pervasive that was. Um, and, it, you know, because you hear about it, but when you're actually asking and you're getting this feedback from people, you know, I, that was kind of a wow moment for me. I did not realize how pervasive that was. And it just made me realize how much more work, how much work there is to do. And, you know, as business leaders and organizations, it is a really hard problem to solve, which I think just you take it back to the basic, which is the understanding. You know, we talk about this a lot, a lot of people's empathy. You know, it's just where are people and try to be empathetic to, to what their current situation is because not everybody just floated through COVID. Not everybody has adjusted the same to this and it's real. And um, I will say that, you know, empathy has always been one of our values. I would say it's, it, it really is others first. That is empathy just in different words. And so that's always been really important to us, but I feel like that piece of what we're doing we need to amp up more and organizations just need to amp that up more and, and not just ask, but really listen. Like I said before, listen. And, um, and it might mean that, you know, the unilateral approach to management doesn't work. You know, you can't say, oh, this is how we're going to do it across the board. And, you know, we've never been an organization like that. I, one of my favorite, favorite things that our CEO, Rick Jackson said to me years ago, we were talking about um, our children. He's got three kids. I have three children. And I don't remember what I was talking about, something about, you know, the, you know, treating all the kids equally. And he said, you know, the best way to love your kids equally is to love them uniquely. That stuck with me. And that's probably been eight or nine years ago. He said that to me. And, and I apply that to everything I do with Jackson Healthcare now, meaning Everybody here should be valued and they are valued for their unique propositions, for what they bring, their whole selves, who they are as a person, the contributions they bring, the energy they bring. Um, and so that means that it, everyone, you know, we love them uniquely. And then that way everyone is loved equally across the board. And so what that means as a manager is we just need to spend more time really understanding what matters to our people, who they are and what makes them tick and where they are in their, their journey and, and walk side by side with them in that. And um, that's not the easy way, but it's the right way. When you have a culture of caring and you care deeply, that's the only way. And so it's just kind of a more emphasis with managers and leaders. You know, we just need to really understand that solutions are going to take longer because now we can't just slap a 
this is what we're doing across the board. You really need to, to walk that journey with each and every associate to really um, be as inclusive as possible and understanding um, as to where they are. And that's what, you know, and to make them feel valued, honored, and treasured. And that's a really important thing. And so you get that again through asking and listening. Asking and lis- listening. And it sounds like empathy that it we all need that uh, in this new world. So when you experience and, and have these conversations, you know, how does that psychology background uh help you because uh you know so much anxiety i mean it seems like everyone has a level of anxiety that they didn't have before right so how do you use your background to kind of run it through perhaps a different lens than someone else might yeah well i would say one of the things i i take in a lot of the information again sometimes people you know dealing with anxiety um stressors in the workplace really just want to be heard you know it's just sometimes just they appreciate so much knowing that you care enough that you're asking questions and so um and even though sometimes especially if it is something truly that um you know where professional services outside of what me just being a practitioner is capable of doing i'm able to refer people into internal programs that we have um, but, but having a certification in applied positive psychology allows me to apply science to well-being. So, you know, well-being spans across so many different platforms, whether it's your physical well-being, emotional, um, spiritual, financial, whatever the case may be. Career, career well-being, right? Career well-being. Career well-being. Absolutely. Right. Yes. And so I'm very plugged in and very closely aligned with our, you know, HR department, with our learning and development, um, with all of the amenities that we provide on campus. So we can look at everything very holistically. And so, um, you know, positive psycho- psychology is just having a deeper understanding of what drives human behavior. And I just, you know, the insights that I have been able to gain through um through that uh, certification allows, it's just very beneficial. So when I'm at the table with other people, I can just apply a more humanistic approach um, and that perspective to situations where it's not all so cut and dry, black and white. It's really more of that that, uh, subjective viewpoint into things. Um, So just a little bit about positive psychology. So unlike pathological psychology, which focuses on what's wrong with you, you know, what's wrong with your brain and we're going to fix it. Um, Positive psychology is really studies what's right with you. And it uses science-backed methods to get more of what's good, um, which is really kind of neat when you think about that, because rather than putting the emphasis on what you're doing wrong or where your strengths are not, it's focusing on where they are and then how to get more of that out of you, because, you know, that that leads to greater happiness, um, you know, deeper fulfillment, higher engagement. There is plus side all across the board on that. So there are a lot of different in, in the field of positive psychology. There are a lot of different pathways to human flourishing. Um, there are five different pathways. One of those is called the, pa- the positivity pathway, which is really always prioritizing positivity, not to be mistaken with, you know, Pollyanna, like, oh, everything's fine. We're just going to brush it under the rug. But it's really um, spending time for it, for example, like fixed versus growth mindset. 
Mm -hmm. um, psychologically, there's huge benefit to um, understanding the difference between the two of those and entering every challenge and every dilemma, every stress point that you might have with a growth mindset. So educating people on what that means, um, rewiring your brain so that you can approach situations with a growth mindset um, has exponential effects. Um, mind mapping, maximizing rewards theory is very important. Um, cognitive behavioral therapy and understanding the weight that beliefs have on how we behave um, is really important. So there's a lot around that old beliefs, you know, beliefs drive our behaviors. And so um, understanding what people believe helps inform how they're going to behave, which is really interesting. Um, so again, goes back to ask questions, understand what people believe in um, will help inform that resiliency is a huge part of a positivity pathway. The next one is engagement pathway, which is about self-regulation, depletion and repletion, which is, um, you know, that's popping up now a lot with people when they're talking about their chronic burnout. Um, mindfulness, character strengths, a lot of that falls under engagement pathways, relationship pathways. So it is ensuring the importance or really underscoring the importance of high quality connections, um, belonging, vulnerability, entombment, empathy, as I know those altruism, kindness, volunteering, high theory relativity in the workplace. So this is so important right now. I see this as an area where um, organizations are really suffering um, with people wanting to do remote work. So um, remote work can work. Um, it's proven to be productive. We're fine in one regard, but you lose that connection. You lose experiential learning. And we as humans are wired for connecting and a sense of belonging. I mean, if you go back to Maslow's hierarchy, I mean, belonging is, is right there in that. I mean, we need to feel that we are part of something bigger than ourselves and the work we're working towards a greater purpose. And you don't get that as much. So relationship pathway is a really important part of my work right now. Um, meaning pathway, spirituality and meaning are um, post-traumatic growth as opposed to post-traumatic stress, which a lot of people endured that through yes. COVID. So from a positive psychology perspective, we treat that as post-traumatic growth. Like what are the good things that we can take from that and learn from that and continue to reinforce and grow from that? Um, and actually, you know, hybrid work models, work-life balance would be um, an example of post-traumatic growth. You know, there's a lot of good that came from that. So people feel like, oh, wow, now I feel like I can spend a little more time at home. My balance feels a little better. So, you know, we just have to, we haven't quite calibrated that. I think where it works across the board, but we're in the right, we're taking the right steps for that. So that's really exciting. Um, achievement pathway. Um, there's a lot of research around hope and change, you know, a lot change management is a huge part of helping people adjust to sort of the new ways, adopting new ways of doing things, um, goal setting, science of habits, active listening, motivational research, achievement. That's part of the achievement pathway. You know, one of the things we're studying right now is how to properly recognize people's achievements, their contributions to things. Do people feel valued um, in the right ways? And so one of the things I'm working on is, you know, one of uh, Gary Chapman the love languages in the workplace, absolutely brilliant work around that. And so people want to feel recognized for their work, but they need to be recognized in a way that that resonates with them. Um, you know, if you've got a super introverted person, giving them 
you know, public praise in front of 500 people is probably not the right way to show recognition to them, whereas they may appreciate a handwritten note from you. So there's a lot of research around that in ways that, again, we can just deepen our connection with our associates by, um, by really understanding that. And the last um, pathway is vitality. So um, ensuring people get enough sleep, that physical activity, we provide a fabulous fitness facility here, um, that they're eating right. We have wonderful nutrition programs and eating healthy, um, balancing stress, doing mindfulness in the workplace. I love that when we started our conversation out, Gemma, that you said, let's take some deep breaths. I would love for more organizations to do that before you start a big board meeting. Just take three, three deep breaths, you know, or have a moment of mindfulness, two minutes of silence. A lot of organizations are really moving into that. I'd love to see us move more into that. So that's one of the initiatives that we're working on. It just kind of helps you balance um, and sort of neutralize some of the stress in your life. So, you know, we just know that flourishing people are healthier, they're more resilient, and they're better able to focus on their work. So we focus on fostering a thriving mentality, both cognitively and emotionally with people. So I kind of long-winded. Oh my God. I I could talk to you for hours and hours because obviously I find all of this so extraordinarily fascinating. And as, as someone who, you know, there's post-traumatic stress, but then to actually speak to people who also recognize and see the potential of post-traumatic growth and how that can be so transformational for all of us, quite honestly. Right. So we unfortunately are going to run out of time. So what I would just like to wrap is just to say, given all that we've just talked about, is there one thing that you would say, even just in the past six months, because you said it was so important to that list, you know, to ask those questions and that listening, is there one thing that you would say, I wish everyone that's listening could have the benefit of X, what would it be? Hmm. I would probably have to say having a manager. And if you're a manager, I think this is really important that our roles of leadership. And honestly, let me, I would even say it doesn't even have to be a manager because leaders can be at every level. But realizing the importance of the most simple things, Um, a kind word to someone, taking five minutes to uh, talk to someone face-to-face versus sending a text message to them or an email to them. I am seeing the aftermath of people losing the sense of connection, human to human connection. And I think we think, oh, it's fine. Like we're communicating with each other. I can't underscore enough. It's kind of an insidious decline, the damage of that. We won't see it in six months. We won't see it in a year, but three years from now, we're going to start seeing that it's going to show up in the workplace um, five years from now. And so I, I would say, don't miss an opportunity to make a difference in a person's life. And it doesn't have to take a lot of your time to do that, but it really comes back to that human connection piece. And so, you know, ask someone how their weekend went. Um, If you know something about their family, you know, so a kid's graduating, you know, just wish them good luck with something. I can't even begin to underscore the importance of that. Um, Look around. I bet if you think, when was the last time somebody asked you that in a meaningful way? It's probably been a while. 
Uh, and it takes so little to do that, but we've become kind of robotic in the way we do business and we can't lose that human piece of it. So that would be the, and I'm hearing that if people are not able to articulate it that way, but the, the aggregate results, you know, or um, takeaway that I'm getting from a lot of my focus groups is that very thing. They're feeling that loss of, of human connection. So that human would be my biggest takeaway. Mm-hmm. And take the opportunity to make that human connection, yeah. right? And 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 to practice it, right? Yeah. Well, again, thank you so much, Leslie. This has been such a treat, and I just want to remind our audience that uh, we want to continue to hear from you, and please submit your ideas and questions th- and thoughts using the links that we have below. Um, they're located in on on our Instagram bio, and again. Thank you so much for taking the time, Leslie, to be here with us and for our audience to be listening. And remember, each one of us, you have the power to set the tone of your life. Visit ToneNetworks.com for more content like this and stay tuned for next week's episode of Have You Had This Conversation?